What was the description of Lazarus in the Bible? He's he's probably the only man described like that. The one whom Jesus loved. I am the one Jesus loves. And that man, the Bible says, he was sick. And they told Jesus. For them to send for Jesus, when Jesus was many, many towns away, could it be only headache? Come on, I want to feel you this evening. You were not going to send for the senior pastor when I'm in Israel if Pastor Steve has a headache. Will you send for me? Or Pastor Me has a headache? No. What will make you send for me? Something you suspect is serious. And so they came to Jesus and said, the one whom you love, as if to remind him, as if he doesn't know, is sick. And he said, I heard. And when they went, he went in the opposite direction for a couple of days. And people were looking at him, what kind of friend are you? If you're in church day and you're feeling where is the Lord, can I assure you, he never leaves nor forsakes his own. Is it true at all that some people probably felt he cannot be a friend of Lazarus? Why is Lazarus in Victoria Island, which is this way, and Jesus heads towards Oshun State? And so people look at your life and say, I can't feel the presence of Jesus in your life. With all that you're going through, why is he not showing up for you? And generally you begin to think like that you begin to let it affect how you walk with the lord but in this case the bible wrote it so that we know how it is and so jesus said to the disciples this sickness is not unto death it is what is unto the glory of god cut the long story short he shows up and they said if you had come you would not have died can i announce to somebody that god may seem slow but he's never late I didn't get a witness. Can I get some feel from my monitor, please? I said, God may seem slow, but he's what? So they said, if he had come, he wouldn't have died. Because to them, that's a full stop. No, it's from the console. They just need to give it feed. Now, um, and so when he showed up, Lazarus' sister said the same thing. If you had come on time, he would not have died. Can I tell you, just what people see that is an end is just a beginning as far as the Lord is concerned. You know what he said? It's not unto death. But did the man die or not? I said, did the man die or not? He said, this sickness is not unto death. You see, what you call dead is not dead as far as Jesus is concerned. What you call late is not late as far as he's concerned. His vocabulary is not as limited as yours. His mind is way bigger than ours. So he died. And he said, let us go and wake our friend for he's asleep. Someone say vocabulary. Vocabulary is how you speak. May we start speaking the way Jesus speaks. So when he got there, he said, show me where you lay him. Cut the long story short, he raised Lazarus. The next chapter says there was a feast. And Jesus and Lazarus showed up at the feast. 
So that sickness was leading all the way to a feast. So is everything negative? Come on now, if you want to clap, clap very well. So is everything negative that you're dealing with, it is leading up to a feast. And you begin to speak with the right vocabulary. Praise God. I said praise God. When it was time to bring him out, his sister said, no, no, no. By this time, he stinks. Help me look at your neighbor and say, whatever you think, I am not stinking. You're not even talking. You are in church. Eh? Whatever the bank thinks, I am not stinking. Whatever the examiner thinks, I am not stinking. However old you think I am, I am not stinking. Jesus said, it doesn't matter. Roll away the stone. But today, I want to say that the sickness that led to death, Jesus said, it is unto glory and it ended up in a feast. And the Bible says, people celebrated Lazarus the way they celebrated Jesus. I come to announce to somebody, celebration cometh to your house. Whoever says amen can have that blessing. I says the celebration cometh to your house. In the name of Jesus. And so I tell you the story of Jesus and his friend. But maybe your face is still long because you're not a friend of Jesus. If you're a friend of Jesus, jam your hands together and celebrate him if you know that you're a friend of Jesus. Because he never allows his friends to stink. He never allows them to be shut down in any grave. He never allows them to be tied up. He said, loose him and let him go. May poverty loose everyone here in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. May failure and struggle loose everyone here in the name of the Lord Jesus. Jesus gave the command. They had no choice. They had to lose him. And so today I want to start with a scripture. I promise you I'm going to take this to an interactive level. I understand that quite a few of you went for a Bible, I mean, um, house fellowship, and you discussed this thing. So whatever questions you still have or unresolved, we're going to hear those questions today. But I'm taking it to another level. I hope you're ready for me. Multimedia, can you help me bring up Matthew 9, verse 36? Matthew 9, verse 36. I want to show you why the Lord had to show us that it's supposed to lead up to a feast. How many of you want to know why? There's a reason why he said I should say this. But you may not have worked it out. But give me the living Bible. The living Bible. The living Bible. Can you read with me? One, two, three, go. And what pity he felt for the crowds that came... Because what? Their problems were so great and they didn't know what to do or where to go for help. They were like sheep without a shepherd. If I were to title this, if it was not an interactive Bible study, I would title it like sheep without shepherd. What is it to be like sheep without shepherd? Many problems so great, they didn't even know what to do about the problems and they didn't know where to go for help. Sheep without shepherd are usually lost. And sheep without shepherd usually don't know how to fix the problems of their lives. 
And that's why we must be glad that in the year 2020, Jesus, the Lord says, I will be Jehovah, your shepherd. Meaning that no longer should we live like sheep without shepherd. And what pity. It means that sheep without shepherd live a pitiful life. May that never be the decimal that recurs in our lives again in Jesus' name. And it fell for the crowd that came because their problems were so great. And why wouldn't be so great? Because there was no shepherd to lead them beside still waters. No shepherd to anoint their head with oil so that their cup can run over. No shepherd so they didn't know what to do. This year, if Jehovah Rohi is going to be our shepherd, we must find out what to do. Can you say amen to that? And they didn't know where to go for help. You know why? When people don't know where to go for help, they usually run helter-skelter and run to the person that put them in the trouble they're in. Hello. You know, when you don't know who to go for help, do you know you can end up going to your enemy for help? Running helter-skelter. Looking, and you go and tell your problem to the person that is already happy. In fact, you feed them with more information so they can hammer you some more. May that not be our experience in Jesus' name. The Lord had pity on them. Another translation says he felt so sorry for them. May our situation not be sorry or sorrowful anymore in Jesus' name. Like sheep without shepherd. My prayer is that in the year of Jehovah Rohi, the experience of being like sheep without shepherd will not be our experience in Jesus' name. Now, give me Mark 6 and verse 34. Stay with the, new, um, the living Bible. Mark 6 verse 34. Mark 6 verse 34. Can you read that with me? So the usual... Come on, I want to feel it. So the usual vast crowd was there as they stepped from the boat. And he had what? pity on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd and he taught them many things they needed to know. The ministry of the shepherd is not just to guide you, not just to lead you, but to teach you what you really need to know. Can you help me bless somebody and say, may the Lord teach you what you really need to know. I didn't say what you want to know. What you need to know. Do you know if you know what you need to know, your life will change? Do you know some people are celebrating because they know what you need to know, but they're not going to tell you? Hello there. I said hello there. Do you know that if you knew some things, your financial life would suddenly take a, a jump for better? Do you know a lot of students, if they knew how to study for exams, they will get scholarships. I remember my son telling me that there's no exam that makes him afraid anymore. He has deciphered how to pass exams. And it was after that he got a scholarship to Oxford. I didn't know nothing about it. He said, no, no, exams. No, 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 no. I know the code for exams. Exams can never bother me again. Ah, I said, I wish I knew what I needed to know. Come on now, when I was a student, who can feel me here? If you knew what you needed to know, wouldn't you have got a first class too? You wouldn't even be here. 
because you will have taken a quantum leap. The Bible says he taught them, read that with me, and he taught them, come on now, many things they needed to know. Help me tell your neighbor, say, oh God, I know that you know something, but there are still many, many, many things you need to know. And the Lord Jehovah's Drohi is going to start teaching us from now. In the name of the Lord Jesus. You see, that's where your breakthrough starts. When you are not ignorant anymore. And he taught them many things they needed to know so that they will not be like sheep without shepherd anymore. And one of the things, and this sets uh, the background or the reason why he told me to come and speak to you on the subject, it's leading up to a feast. It's one of the things you needed to know. You needed to know that whatever you're going through it is designed to lead up to a feast. Everything else about you used to think it is a setup for me to be broken. No, it is designed. The enemy may have started it, but God designed it to lead up to a feast. Just like Lazarus was more popular after he was sick and died than before. As a matter of fact, before he died, the city was called the city of Mary and Martha. It was after he resurrected, he started being calling the city or the town of Lazarus. Our power will change hands in Jesus' name. I said power will change hands in Jesus' name. And so this is it. The reason why the Lord said, I should tell you, it's leading up to a feast. is because you need to know that. So that you don't cry anymore. So that you don't play into the hand of the enemy anymore. So that you don't confess the wrong things anymore. Because the Lord has a plan to take you from the valley of the shadow of death to the feasting table. That's the plan. And we will not miss it in Jesus' name. Now, bring me up my slide today. I've, I've switched it a little bit. And I, and I changed it. Because you, you seem to have missed it on Sunday. Everybody was talking about feast, but people forgot the leading. So it is titled, his leading, read with me, his leading leads up to a feast. If you, if you read the scripture that is there, maybe you should read it along with me. The scripture says what? It says, behold, I want to hear you, behold, I am standing at the door, knocking, if your heart is open to hear my voice, and if you open the door within, what will happen? I will come in to you and feast with you and you will feast with me. So the scripture here, a lot of people focused on the lead, on the feasting and I'm happy that's fine. A few people notice um, the, the, if you open, if your heart is open. But I doubt if a lot of people focused on to hear my voice. The whole thing about this scripture, whether you're talking about opening your heart or the door within or the feast, is centered around my voice. And the voice is what he uses to lead. On Sunday, there was a lot of excitement. I'm happy about that, but I don't know if enough people focused on my voice. It is when you hear my voice and you respond, you end up not in the place of shame at a feast 
And I told you a feast is something that gives unusual delight and abundant enjoyment. Somebody say my voice. Say my voice. It says behold. It means pay attention. In the midst of all the confusion, I am knocking at your door. You know, sometimes there's so much shouting going on in our lives. Sometimes there's so much noise going on in our lives that once it wants to drown out the knock on the door of our lives by the Lord. My prayer is if our enemies are trying to disguise the fact that the Lord is knocking on our door, may they fail in Jesus' name. Sometimes your crying is so loud, you can't hear anything. Sometimes the voice of complaint, you're so complaining. Sometimes you're mourning that you cannot hear. It says, I am standing knocking at the door. If your heart is open to hear my voice. It didn't say your ears open, your heart. Can we talk about the heart today? There is no feasting if your heart is not connected. And most of us don't do things with our heart. Even when we come to church, do we come with our heart? We're in a generation that we're so distracted about everything. So everything we do, listen to me very carefully, we do it half-heartedly. Am I connecting with somebody? Have you heard the word half-heartedly before? Have you seen people dating today? They don't date full-heartedly. Have you seen them on the phone? That most things people do today, they do it half-heartedly. Some people call it multitasking. When it comes to God, there's nothing like multitasking. He's the Alpha and the Omega. Ooh, you're not answering. When you're dealing with the Lord, your focus must be 100%. You know, some people are praying and they're still reading their text messages. Some people are in church. And a lot of things are distracting them. He said, if your heart is open to hear my voice. It talks about really open. 100% open. A lot of us have not learned the art of focus. I'm sorry. Can I explain it to you? Looking does not mean you're seeing. Can I get a witness? I'm looking at you doesn't mean I'm seeing you. And because I'm seeing doesn't mean I'm seeing what I need to see about you. We're talking about focus. In the year of Jehovah-Rohi, we have to learn to focus on the Lord. To focus on the Lord, it is with your heart. Deep calls on to deep. A lot of us like light-hearted things. So, we like comedians. We like to watch movies. We like to go to amusement arcades. So, a generation that is light-hearted cannot be deep-hearted. A lot of us we do things half-heartedly until you meet Jehovah Roy who wants you to deal with him 100%. That's why he didn't say if your ears be open. It's easier to listen with your ears, would you agree with me, than to listen with your heart. Hello, somebody. 
You know, I'm speaking now. I don't know how many people are listening with their heart. Anybody listening with their heart will be taking notes. Anybody listening with their heart is memorizing something they're going to repeat later. Can I tell you something? This walk with Jehovah Rohi requires focus. I read that scripture again. It says, Behold, I am standing at the door knocking. Full stop. If. Someone say, if. It means it's not for everybody. If your heart is open to hear my voice, you will do something. The next thing is you will open the door within. There is a place the Lord wants to get to in our lives. So that we end up at the banquet table of feasting and not in the trouble spot we have been in a long time. I want to ask you. Have you practiced wholeheartedness with the Lord? Is it common? A lot of us come awake if I start telling jokes. It's lighthearted. Jokes are lighthearted things. But the Bible says deep calls on to deep. I want to thank God for those listening online. I, I pray that the Lord will lead you onto your own feast in Jesus' name. Can we appreciate them? Can we, can we appreciate them? And so, let's talk about the heart. Light-heartedness. Half-heartedness. Can somebody tell me what does it mean to be half Do something half-heartedly. How many Christians do you know there are full-heartedly following the Lord? What's the percentage of Christians you know that you can see, of the Christians you know, that this percentage are following the Lord full-heartedly, not half-heartedly? I honestly want to get to something to catch your attention. How, what's the percentage? Kapi. Um, it's hard to tell, really, because um, oftentimes, even those that we see um, committed might not really be committed. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard to tell. But if I'm to put a percentage, I would say two. What? You know what he said? Even those you thought were full-hearted, you will see them flounder somehow. And so the percentage drops. I wish you had said that those we felt were half-hearted, we surprised to see them full-hearted. But generally, it is those that you thought they were full-hearted that disappoint you. Hello, somebody. If it's a 98 to 2, which part do you fall in? The 2% or the 98%? Anybody else? What is the percentage of Christians you know that you can tell that they are full-hearted? Not half-hearted. The whole place went quiet. Does anybody think it's 50-50%? So we all agreed it's not as good as 50-50%. Let's hear him. Who thinks it's 40% half-hearted? 
60% full-hearted. Okay, 60% uh, part-hearted. Ha- <laughs> 40% full-hearted. You're not answering. Let me listen to him. Can you appreciate it? Come on now. Don't be, a, don't be half-hearted. Eh? Come on, be full-hearted. Thank you, Pastor. Uh, it, it all started with what Pastor just said now. And I, I made a personal, uh, sincerely, I made a personal check. I wasn't thinking of everybody in the church. I was thinking about myself. Uh, what is my heart's connection with God? And am I following him half-heartedness or full-heartedness? And I became so cold because some patches begin to pop out from my mind. What are your hands doing? When somebody is really speaking like this, that's the Holy Spirit. Just let's bless God. Some areas of your life started addressing you. Pop out, begin Uh to, you know, like flash. Uh If you are sincere in this hall, you will tell me you feel the same thing. When you feel... Who said yes there? Can you help me clap for her as well? The rest, the, the, the rest of the Sadducees are coming along slowly, slowly. We'll get there. We'll get there. When we are before the Lord, we have to be very, very honest and sincere. The pastor said something on Sunday that caught my attention. You hardly hear that from other general overseers. He said, it's not about the pastor. The altar is not for the pastor. He was talking about you connecting your heart with the leading. And I went home. I was talking with my neighbors. I said, there is mystery in what I learned from church today, from the mouth of God's servant. The hearts have an ear inside our chest. Chata le makusa kiliba. That's not a half-hearted statement. That's a full-hearted statement. He said, if your heart will hear, and our ear is on our head, yeah. So I began to understand that to complement that word, you can be seen looking and you are not seeing. You can be in church, you are hearing, you are not connecting. You leave the church gates, somebody asks you how was service today and what was the topic, you start blabbing and beating around the bush because you are in church but you are not there full heartedly. Can you help so, me bless this man? <laughs> when you talk about two percent. I will not doubt that. We Christians have a lot of serious catching up to do with our hearts. Some people come to church because the senior pastor will see them and know that they are in church. Some, when they hear that the pastor has traveled out of the country, oh, don't go there, don't go there. They don't come to church. That's why the pastor can't go on a holiday for six weeks. Ask yourself whether you are following heartedly or. For me, oh, I want to repent today. Oh, uh, see, you are a friend of Jesus. Don't mind their half-hearted clap. The Lord is not giving you a half-hearted clap. You see, look at the way they are clapping. What? What is this half-hearted something? Eh? Praise God. Ah, my my big sister, please give her the microphone. Thank you, Pastor. Good evening, Church. Good evening. I want to contribute to this half-heartedness in Christianity. 
And I would say it's not only in Christianity. It is everywhere. So I will agree with the 2%. But maybe technology has contributed to the half-heart. What are your hands doing? She's hitting some serious points here. Because sometimes I'm seated here, and I see people with their phone even when pastor is preaching. And my thought is, are they looking at their phone or is the but because the Bible is in the, the phone, phone yeah. I wouldn't be able to, to say tell, yes. to tell. I'm kneeling down and I'm praying and my phone rings. I want to see who is that calling me, even if I won't pick it up. It's always a temptation. Can, can you help me clap for that? That's there's a temptation that who is calling? Who is calling even if you don't want to pick it up? And sometimes I'll call you back. <laughs> Come on, clap for her, somebody. <laughs> it is the truth. So practically, and I will say something again that I noticed with all due respect. I see that pastors these days, because they use their iPad, they are distracting with the congregation. You do it like this. And I'm saying, what is pastor looking for? That, again, is a distraction. I used to come with my hardcover Bible until it got torn. Because I always told myself, I won't look at that place. I will open my a own Bible. Bible. Because is this, does, this is almost a distraction it's now. It's a distraction. Sometimes the singing, the verse is going this way, you are going this way. If we had held our hymn book of those days... Somebody's adding another microphone to you from Thank there. Thank you. Thank you. So I think technology has added to, I don't know, it has its pros, it has its, its cons. cons. But it brought a lot of cons with it. Distractions. Disruption. I was sitting here one day, I had to call one of the ushers, said, look at that little girl. I've been watching her. I was distracted because she was on her phone. Typing. And I thought it was wrong. And I said, can you tell her to put up her phone? And she looked at the... Eventually, she put it up. But she had distracted many people by looking at that phone. So, me, I me. think there's a lot of distraction in the, on the earth, in the whole world. So, I as, a lot of te- as a result of technology. technology. Did you hear what she said? That the girl may be distracted, but she ends up distracting others. May we not be the reason why some people are not full-hearted anymore? Can you say an amen to that? Let's appreciate my big sister again. Thank you so much. This iPad, we're not looking for anything. For me, I'm looking for many translations so that I can find the best one as a teacher, that they will understand. But I I agree that there's something about the raw text of the Bible. To carry a Bible. When last did you open a real Bible? Today. Oh, you're holding one. You are old school. You're old school. You and Staffusha, you're on the same side. (laughs) Hallelujah. Can I ask you, what about relationships? At one point in time, it was full-hearted. We used to call it Korikosu. 
best friends, you always saw them together and so on. You know, a lot of things are half-hearted now. Technology, yes, but there's a season when you know what is going on, you snatch yourself from it. That's what this is all about. It's not about making anybody feel bad. He said that as I asked the question, he began to audit his life and say, ah, some areas I'm full-hearted, but some areas are telling me, oh God, you're not full-hearted. In this season of Jehovah Rohi, when you are in a situation and the Lord knows, the Bible says they were like sheep without shepherd. It didn't say they didn't have shepherd, but they were like that. Do you know you can have a shepherd and your life looks like you don't have any shepherd? Do you know you can have parents, but if you're so untidy, nobody will believe that you have parents. It says they were like sheep without shepherd. And he's saying if he's going to be able to help us, you have to open your heart to hear my voice. I, I title this, his leading is what leads to a feast. Without a leading, there's nothing to lead you out of the Marie There's nothing to lead you out of uh, the valley of the shadow of darkness. There's nothing to lead you from the place of struggle and defeat. It is his leading. And that leading is what will lead you to a feast. So that voice is about a leading. So if your heart is half-hearted, there may be no leading. I give an example. When Jesus showed up in the town of uh, Lazarus, he said, take me to where he is. If they were half-hearted, they would not have taken him. When he got there, see half-heartedness, he said, roll away the stone. His own sister distracted Martha. You have forgotten Martha. You have forgotten Martha. A lot of us are like that. Around Jesus, but never listening. Martha opened her mouth. Or was it Mary? One of them said, by now he's stinking. The Lord said, roll away this. Would it be your own? Half-hearted, not understanding that he had arrived. He says, have I not told you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? That is the way you address half-hearted people. As I address the church day, don't take any offense. Look at the state of your heart and make adjustments. He said, have I not told you? If you will believe and stop being half-hearted. You will see the glory of God. Roll away the stone. That's when they rolled away the stone. If the Lord, if your heart is not open to the Lord. What he's saying, you will not process it. She was not really listening. She was giving every reason why the king of kings and the Lord of lords cannot do what he's supposed to do. Until she shut up. And they rolled away the stone. Jesus did not call forth Lazarus. My prayer is what should be resurrected in our life will not remain behind the stone of our half-heartedness in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, if you will open your heart to hear my voice and open the door within. Can I ask you, what do you think the door within stands for? It's not heart. It's if you open your heart to hear my voice and which means conjunctively, in addition to that, you open the door within. What do you think the door within is? I thought you people had discussed this in your house fellowship, so I thought hands would be going up. 
What's the door within? You mean you don't know or you're just being careful? The door within talks about that crevice in our heart or in our psyche. The places that you don't let anybody go to. We call it no-go area. You know why? Because some of us have what we call mindsets. Our people say, once you are our people say kind of person, even if you come to church, the word of God will get to our people say and it will bounce back. Some people have mindsets about women. You stay here, you go no further. So once it is a woman that the Lord wants to use, the door within. Some people, it's money. They can listen to any gospel. If the Lord says, go and give that person the money or put the money down, the door within is shut. Some people don't practice, I'm sorry. Igbo Kweno. I hear that some Igbo men, they know they say sorry. Particularly to women. Una, how you go tell me to go and say sorry to that girl? That girl. Bah. You don't know be saying me I be ogwefi. Can I tell you a joke? Can I tell you a joke? I had this evil friend, very, very wealthy. So the wife came to accuse him about girlfriend. And she said, Pastor, I wasn't even a pastor, a lawyer. I said, Lawyer, tell him, she be your friend. Chief, don't mind him, he's rubbish. Chief said, My friend, go away. Go away. I say, ah, no, no, you can't say. Say, not, not be a woman. Say, I carried a woman, come to your house. I beg you, make you go. I make with the talk about talk. I say, eh, you spoke to your wife like that over a girl? He said, not be a woman. I beg you. <laughs> he said, lawyer, I carried the girl, go in your house. See your house where I gave you and your pickings. I beg you, not follow me. Come my business. Can we clap for all the evil men here? Yeah. <laughs> Chief, he was one of my best friends. So I sat in and said, no, you can't talk to your wife like that. Oh, guy, you get girlfriend, truly. He's wrong. Just because you have money doesn't mean you can't talk anyhow. He said, okay, okay. Because of your God, tell that girl, make it say sorry. But nobody say it. You got to tell me, say it next time. Come and say sorry again. I love that guy. He's correct. <laughs> Glory to God. We're talking about the door within. Which door within is shut when it comes to you? If you will open your heart and hear my voice, and then you open the door within, that is when the miracle of a complete turnaround will come in your life. The door within, some people have said, I will not go for midweek service. I'm not that kind of Christian. So no matter what the Holy Spirit says, they will not come. You know, when you decide something and you say it doesn't matter what happens, I have made up my mind, the facts don't interest me. You have not even heard the facts. Before the facts come, in this matter, I have made up my mind. What is it you have made up your mind about that God is not even allowed to examine? You know, in some cases, have you heard the scripture that says, if your brother has a problem against you, leave your gift at the altar and go and make peace. 
with your brother. It's the man that has a problem with you. Not you that have a problem. Then you leave your gift and you go and make sure. Why? Because you want to end up in a feast. That's why the Lord is telling you. It's not to disgrace you. If you go and sort this matter out, your feast is waiting for you. But if you say that door, Lord, no knock that door. Don't knock that door. Leave that door. Go. You know what happens? The feast will be postponed. And after a while, it may expire. Are you there? Are you there? Ah, I have some things to say. There was a situation. The Lord said to me to do something. And somebody very close to me said no. And I said, really? He said, that that door is shut. I said, I leave that matter. And the situation did not change until the person opened that door. And as soon as the person opened that door, the miracle happened. I'm not kidding you. Sometimes it's for you to forgive somebody. You say, do you know what the person has said? That door within is closed. Somebody doesn't need to repent for the Lord to tell you to forgive the person. It would be good if the person repents, but if for your own good, it's better you let it go so that you can move from the valley of the shadow of death to the feast and the door within is shut. I sense a lot of people here are thinking hard. What is the door within you have shut? Who have you shut it against? It says, if you hear my voice and you open the door within, comma, then I will come in. Are you not tired of waiting for the Lord to show up? Maybe you passed the first test. By being here, you probably passed the first test because you have opened your door to hear my voice. It's the second part B. Can I tell you how it works? Have you, do you have one of those doors that it has two locks? You have to turn it twice. If I lock the door twice eh, and I give you the key and you don't know that it is a double lock if you turn it once you have done well haven't you you now press the handle will the door open you now shake the door will the door open you now lock the door again and turn it to see whether the thing is in the open if you've never seen it before you will say this man do me bad you know what make a come out enter a better place you know what happened this is a double lock you will hear you open your heart to hear the voice and you will open the door within. It says, when you open the door within, I will come into you and feast with you. And I told you on Sunday, the king never comes to feast with you with what you have. He comes with an entourage. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over. I told you the example of Peter that was trying to fish. Before he brought the fish in, that he was still smelling, he had to... The Lord had roasted fish, fresh. You know, fresh bread. Have you been to bakery in the morning before? Hunger will catch you. They were tired, they were cold. 
hot bread and correct fish roasted. He said, come and eat. You think I need what you have? No, 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 no. I am the one that have what you need. He says, I'll come and feast with you. I want to ask you, are you not tired of waiting? Supposing I'm right. Maybe it's a marriage issue you're waiting for. Maybe it's a business connection you're waiting for. You thought before, ah, maybe this, maybe that. Perhaps the Lord is telling you, the door within, open it. And the Lord will come in. I am a living witness that when God gives you a word concerning a very serious area of your life, believe me, until this person did it, nothing happened. As soon as it was done, oh, luau, it, the impossible happened. I wonder how much time you have lost. How, I wonder why you won't be in a hurry to open the door within. How many of us will agree that I realize I have a door within? Let the Lord see your hand. Let the Lord see your hand. Say a prayer. Say, Lord, that door. Today, I open that door to you. Be Lord over this area of my life as well. That door, I will not justify it again. You know what I'm talking about. Pray that prayer. I will stop justifying that door. I will open that door so that you can come into my life. I will stop repeating what happened. I open the door within so that you come in and I can you can take me to the banquet table. The place where you give me unusual delight and abundant enjoyment. Thank you, Father Lord. May the grace be released unto all of us to leave that door open and not shut it after this night. That the Lord can reign in our lives. That goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life. That our cup will run over with blessings to the glory of God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every hurt associated with that door, I want to pray for you. Every bad memory that's associated with that door. Every pain that's associated with it. May the balm of Gilead heal it. May chains of the past be broken. May fetters be uprooted. May the gates of wickedness be uprooted from our hearts. And let the Lord reign over our lives. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. The devil is a liar. The, the inner door that you felt entitled to was, is at the cost of the feast. Psalm 23 starts on verse 1. It is until verse 5 that he got to the feast. And it's in that verse 5 that I say, he anoints my head with oil. I, need, I think the New Century Version says, and blessings overflow in my life. Everything else was shaker, 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 small, small things until verse 5. And then verse 6 says, Surely that is confidence. May we get to a place where Jehovah Roy has so turned our lives around, we can be confident. It says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. 
Glory to God. I want to charge you about the issue of your heart. It says, if your heart is open to hear my voice. How do we know that our heart is open? Lady, you were, you were raising that question. You said at the fellowship, they were talking about heart. How do you know that your heart is open? The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? Can I tell you something? Even when you think your heart is open, have you not surprised yourself before you say, ah, out of my heart I've forgiven this person. And you see the person coming towards you, you just turn like this. Hello? Hello? Or you enter an office, you see the person's application. And they said, do you know this person? You change the subject. You don't hammer the person, but you change the subject. Hello? And you said you forgive the person from your heart. Is there a problem or not? The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things. Desperately, It says, who can know it? I want to deliver the truth to you. You can't know your heart. Bible says, the, the, the candle of the Lord searches the heart of all men. It is the Lord that will reveal your heart to you. Don't trip at all. Your heart can send you to hell. That's why he says, I will remove the heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. And sometimes the people that are so pious, the people that look so holy, they have the worst state of heart than the seeming sinner. Because the sinner will forgive. But those that think they are right, they hammer everybody. They think they have a right. Listen, there's only one judge. His name is Jesus. Nobody else is a judge. What about vengeance? The Bible says, vengeance is mine, said the Lord. Let us examine your heart. Don't you take vengeance sometimes and you feel entitled to? The moment you take vengeance, you are saying, you and God are entitled to vengeance. God says, vengeance is my own. Leave it. You go carry them. Put for your house. Wahala. May everything that should not be in our heart and our house be returned where it's supposed to be. That the Jehovah Rohi may lead us to the feast of our life. Oh God, you don't know what is called a feast. Look at that table. Look at the table on the screen. Excess enjoyment. Honor. Hey. This last time I traveled, I went for Fisto. After praying in Israel, I see Fisto, no be small thing. You see honor, respect, excess everything. It's one thing for you to go to a restaurant and a waiter is serving. It's another thing when the master chef stands by your table. As you taste something, you not say he will carry it away. Go and bring it down. The chef that nobody sees. The chef self now S class they drive or Porsche. You can't stand for it. Everybody's saying, Who is this person? That the chef is standing at the table. I like that hallelujah. My response is hallelujah. You're my redeemer. Perhaps my response to some things, some doors they wanted me to open. Maybe I opened those doors so that this feast can happen. Hello? I'm not kidding you. This feast I'm talking about, I don't talk about it because you will not be able to handle it. Even my wife, I didn't talk about some. 
Because it's almost like unreal. I showed my son some pictures. Say, ah, why didn't you post this picture? I said, if I post this picture a while ago, they. He says, it's you. I say, it's me now. Look at me. That experience of feasting, I may not have come into it if I kept some doors shut. Somebody under the sound of my voice. The Lord wants us. You want to say something? Oh, the Lord wants you to know there's a feast ahead of you. Please hear me. There's a banquet feast ahead of you. I mean, I'm talking about abundant enjoyment. I'm talking about you will pinch yourself and say, can this be real? But there's just a door within. And then talking about the heart. If you cannot know your heart, God has to reveal your heart. And I was telling you, I said, what the thing about the heart is, it says, if you open your heart to hear my voice. Don't stop at thinking, well, I think I am. No, you better know. Because this feast, hey, oh God, if you don't enter the feast, your children will not enjoy you. Generations are stuck behind you. May whatever has been holding us back, may it be removed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I tell you something? The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart. I can't hear you. Out of the abundance of the heart. So if you have opened your heart to hear the voice of God, the subject that the Lord is talking to you about will not just remain in your heart. You will find that you start saying it. Out of the abundance of the heart. If you open your heart and you hear his voice, the voice will be implanted, it will grow. And without you knowing it, you will voice out what is in your heart. And that is when miracles begin to happen. Out of the abundance of the heart. When your mouth is not speaking what the Lord is saying to you, that is evidence that you did not really open the door. Or you opened it shekere. You didn't open it wide. Another way you know that your heart is open unto the Lord is apart from you speaking, you will take action. When you say something over and over, you know what happens? You start acting it. Whether good or bad. If you say it over and over, you start acting it. So when people say, come to church, I say, ah, pastor, they come to the altar. I open my heart to the Lord. There's no evidence after that. Your confession has not changed. They're still talking about the person the Lord is saying, let the person go. You're hissing. The heart that you thought you opened, that's the evidence that you didn't really open it. Or the heart refused to open. May the Lord help us in Jesus' name. And the door within is the master stroke. We all have those doors. You know many doors were built by pain. Hello somebody. Hello somebody. Do you know that if you have had pain in a certain part of your body, even after you healed it, mentally if somebody wants to touch that place you will, you will move. The pain has gone but you have associated that place 
we pain so much. May God help us. Some of us, it is betrayal. So, you, you're never open to anybody. You called everybody. I know I'm speaking to somebody here. Nobody really knows who you are. You say, I have been betrayed. So, nobody knows. You called everybody. And God is saying, that's wrong. Hello. What other reasons make people close those doors? The door within. Disappointments. Huh? Hatred. Okay, you've been, you, you've been the victim of hatred. And so, you, the only way you think to be safe is to close some doors. You know, some people will never allow themselves to be vulnerable. Can I speak to somebody here? They will never allow themselves to be vulnerable because they think the law of vulnerable, uh, being vulnerable leads to pain and loss and shame. But can I tell you something? You will never fall in love and you will never be really be loved if you are not vulnerable. Love works with vulnerability. Oh, you didn't know that. You can't fall in love with somebody without being vulnerable to the person. And nobody can love you when you're guarded. So you go through life and you miss one of the best experiences. You're clapping for me. God bless you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Don't mind them. Just clap. And just because somebody broke your heart does not mean that you'll be so guarded. You now write off love. For the rest of your life. Maybe the person that first came did not deserve you. Maybe the person that really deserved you that is going to celebrate you is just around the corner. Don't let a situation shape you. Because somebody was mean to you, don't become a mean person. Because somebody stole your money. Can I tell you, if you're ever going to be a business partner to somebody, you can't know everything the person is doing. You have to trust. And there are some things you can never do alone. Like having a child, a man can't have a child alone. A woman can't have a child alone. You have to come together. If your breakthrough has to do with a partnership, and you will not trust, you will continue to eat crumbs when you should have the whole bakery of the bread. Yes, somebody stole your money. That was that person. That was yesterday. What is God saying today? Is somebody glad to be in church today? But you have all, nobody has asked a question. I was hoping you ask a question. My time is gone. Trust. Ah, see, I'm back to the face. See, see, let me act it out. Pastor. You say trust. That trust. That trust, eh? They're giving him microphone. He's not seeing the microphone. Half-hearted. Mm-hmm. No full-hearted in this matter. Oh, yeah, talk now. Uh-huh. Take the microphone. Don't be half-hearted. Be full-hearted. Sir, many people trust. Mm-hmm. With what they with what they have, 
Uh-huh. Maybe on the business day or on this day, I'm, I'm traveling on trust. Mm. Take care of my family. Mm. And a friend went and impregnated the wife. <laughs> so, you can see I'm scratching my head. <laughs> when, the, when the husband heard the story, he said, ah, I so much trusted this, my friend. I gave everything access everything to his family and to his uh, properties. Mm. But look at what has happened. So, I just want to know. That so, because of what happened to your friend, you tore the word trust out of your own dictionary. No, it's not me. I am, I'm, we are learning. I want to learn. But your body language appears to be it is you. No, sir. Because this is how you are just doing. It's not me, sir. Uh-huh. I, I, you know, I've been uh, I've been uh, mistrusted before. Yeah. When I was incarcerated. That's understandable. Yes. My junior brother collected my car and he sold it off without telling my wife, without doing anything. So my action was when I regained my freedom. You go and I'm, deal with him. I'm going to deal with him. But guys, there was a voice telling me, let bygone be bygone. And I abide, abide with it, with that word. Mm-hmm. Until my junior brother came to me and said, within himself, mm-hmm. he's having a sickness because he has... The, he has chopped what he shouldn't chop. He has cheated me. Mm-hmm. I said to God who made me, I didn't do you anything. I've forgiven you. But within, You didn't do him anything, thank God. Seriously, sir. Seriously, sir. But within, within him, Anytime he sees me, uh-huh. he'll be running. I now call him when we are in family meeting. I say, Why are you? Know, because the Bible says there's no rest for the wicked. Yeah. I now told him, I said, An evil pursues sinners. I now told him, mm-hmm. I said, Why are you doing all these things? Before I trusted you. But you have shown me that you are not the type of person to be trusted. But you have to have a change life. Eyes. That's the gospel. Can you clap for him? That's the gospel. But let me, let me just quickly, because time is gone, let me talk about this trust. Kemi, I'm coming to you. Can I teach you the principle of trust? Trust is not blind. Love is blind. You're supposed to love everybody. But trust should be earned. In the case of this man that trusted his friend, his family to his friend, there are actually two people to examine. It's not just a friend. What about the wife? If the man was on a binge and the woman is not on it, nothing will have happened. Hello? Hello? Trust is earned. You see, when you meet people, you, you test them and promote them. Do you understand? It is not scriptural that you met somebody and you trust the person with everything. No. That is lack of wisdom. And it leads to pain and shame. Trust is earned. It takes time. And anybody that will not want to wait to earn trust, that person is dubious. I met you yesterday. You want me to have your card number? And the person is getting upset. Why now? Why won't you give it to me? That's why I know that something did. There's a process. Praise God. So that man 
didn't know his wife well and may not know the friend very well. So the issue may not be what went wrong. The issue may be his own ability to assess personalities. So don't build your life around that. And sometimes, maybe the woman was going to go anyway, somewhere along the line. So you might as well take your loss and carry on with your life. Not everybody will stay in your life to the end. Let me tell you the truth. Not everybody. You know, Bishop Jake says, I have the gift of bye-bye. If after I've done everything, you say you're going, bye. Because as you're going, God is replacing you with somebody better than you. Praise God. Okay, Kemi, let me hear you. When we're discussing about trust, I just um, said something that if we cannot trust ourselves, then how much more do you want to trust God that you don't see? You have a Bible that some people said he wrote, he inspired some people to write. So if we cannot trust one another or even try, then how do you want to trust God or his word? And trusting, like you said, is a process. It's relationship. You get to know the person, you trust the person more. So if you say no to trust, even to your human neighbor, then you can never trust God. Can Can you help me bless her? This is the word of the Lord saying, if you open your heart and open the door within, I will lead you to a feast. You have to trust him when you're opening a door you don't open for anybody. It's based on trust. So the issue of trust is very pertinent here, but we're talking more about trusting God. I want to thank God for this evening. Um, Lide is giving me the signal that my time, I'm way behind time, but have you been blessed this evening? And then show some appreciation to the Lord that you have been blessed. Have, have you learned something important this evening? Have you said the right prayer this evening? Your testimony will prove to me that your coming was not in vain. Who am I prophesying to? Say amen if you're that person. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you that your leading in the year of Jehovah Rohi is going to lead us away from the place of struggle and shame, the, the dark parts of this of this world, the, the, the dark experiences and leading us up to the banquet feast of the Lord where there will be incredible experiences beyond our expectations because you are coming in with the feast into our lives. Thank you. May this word have effect in our lives. May the result be phenomenal. May our testimonies may be great in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to take tithes. And if you have your first fruit of your increase, you want to come forward quickly. In the year of Jehovah Roy, his leading, it's a leading. You must follow that leading. And it leads to the feast. And the feast represents different things for different people. You will not miss yours in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for our sister as she comes to give the tithe or the first fruit to the Lord. Thank you for my daughter that has joined her. Thank you for your daughter that is coming. It's by a leading. And may this leading lead them to the feast they've long awaited for. Thank you, Father, for the word that has been sown in their